I'm excited today. I'm a little bit, you know, amped up because we're on a series of lessons, a new three-week series called Revive Us. Um, uh, As Mario gets us all set up, you'll see kind of where we're going to go with just an image. And I believe the heart of God is for us to continually be and being revived. When we went through 21 days of prayer and fasting back in January last month, Uh, I want to encourage you again, as I've said, don't let that be something you did for three weeks. Let it something be continually that you do throughout the year, where you press in with God, with prayer, and occasional fasting, and and just set aside time to seek God, to get alone with God. Uh, We have heard a word, and if your ear is tuned to um, some Christian uh, speakers and, 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 you know, I would say major uh, voices in the nation around the world, you're hearing a word that, that's being spread and talked about regularly, which is revival. Yeah. I'm hearing it more and more, and you probably are too, like I haven't heard for years. And we know, I think we'd all agree in the room, whether you're a God follower or not yet, we would all agree that our nation, come on, our city, our state, California, our city, Chula Vista, San Diego, and really the church, the people of God, they need revival. Come on, everybody. Come on. Well, let's clap our hands, all you people, right? Um, so, so let me say this way, just for clarification, so I, I think that uh, hopefully you'll get on the same page with me with this, is that revival is for God's people. L- listen to me. Not everybody gets revived. So let me say this don't, before I lose you. What the world that doesn't know Jesus needs is an awakening. They need to be awakened. Their spirit needs to be awakened. Their eyes need to be open. Their ears need to be open because they've never been opened before. But the church needs to be revived because the church, so many of God's people, they have been vived. They have followed God, but they have pulled back. They have gone back maybe to old lifestyle, old thoughts, old patterns, and they need to be revived. So one one more time, the world who doesn't know Jesus needs to be awakened, but God has revival for the people of God. There's a great scripture and we'll start this way, and this will be our keynote scripture for the next three weeks, is in Psalm 138, verse 7. And notice what it says. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, though I've got trouble and difficulty and situations around me, I'm stressed, I'm anxious, I'm I'm in a tight spot. He says here, yet you will revive me. You will revive me. David was confident. The, the, The writers in the Old Testament were confident. It makes no difference what your current situation looks like. The trouble you're in, the pressure you're in, the stress you're in, the family situation you're in, the th- situations that are coming to your mind against whatever is trying to pull you out of the will of God. God says, it, you, whatever trouble it looks like, you will revive me. Every anxiety, every trouble, every difficulty, every situation that's antagonistic to the will of God, God, I trust that you are going to revive me. All throughout the Old Testament, we see this pendulum swinging, and again, you Bible readers will read this in the Old Testament, where the nation of Israel was serving God, and God was great, and they were moving forward with God, and they were, Old Testament, sacrificing, and they were praying, and they were doing the will of God, and then all of a sudden, the pendulum would swing after it got so good, the pendulum would swing, and and they would, you know, got money in the bank, got crops in the field, got cattle in the stall, and all of a sudden they said, we don't need God. 
and they'd swing back around here and God would have to bring judgment in their life. God would bring enemies that would get allowed to come into the land and, and would just kind of mess up their life again. And then they'd swing right back into revival and say, God, we need you. And God is so merciful that anytime anybody ever directed their attention toward him, he'd just pour out his love and grace and mercy. We serve an amazing God, everybody. Because I don't know, but, but, but if I got some friends and they love me, then they hate me, then they love me, then they hate me, I'm thinking I'm probably going to leave them. That's not God. God is just forever committed to you. Come on, isn't that good news, everybody? And, and so what we're going to do this morning is that we're going to look at two Old Testament prophets, two Old Testament books, Haggai and Zechariah. We're going to look at two blocks of Scripture because what these two brothers were prophesying has got everything to do that's going on in our nation today. Come on, say it with me. Revive us. Come on, revive us. Historically, these books, Haggai and Zechariah, are, synon- are, 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 are in the same time frame as we find out the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. And, and we see that Ezra and Nehemiah, when, when historically... Daniel actually prophesied that the nation of Israel was going to be in bondage and carried away captive by the Babylonians for 70 years. And that at the end of that, then God would leave them and they'd come out of captivity and they'd come back to their homeland and they'd come back to Jerusalem and they would rebuild the temple. The temple was a big deal because the temple housed God's presence. And so they were going to come back to their home country, come back to the temple, come back to Jerusalem and rebuild and do what God told them to do because when they left, the enemy came in and knocked everything down tore everything down and took everything, all the goods, all the gold, all the stuff that was in that temple, and then took it back to, to the alien nations. And so God's, God's going to bring them back. And, and so we, what we found out before that, when you read the Old Testament, is that before they actually came back, when Solomon built the first temple, Solomon hired 150,000 men, and he had 3,000 he had 3,000 foremen that were 150,000 men that were part of this building process of the temple and some other things. Now when Haggai is prophesying and Zechariah is prophesying, not 150,000 men, not 3,000 foremen, there were only 50,000 people total, listen, total, that came back from Babylon out of captivity. 50,000, that includes men, women, elderly, and children. King Solomon, we read, when you read it in the Old Testament, he had an unlimited treasury. Now when these guys come, when Zerubbabel, who's the governor, you'll read it in Haggai, he's the governor, when he comes back, and and, and again, this time with Ezra and Nehemiah, they, they, they don't have an unlimited budget. They've got a very small budget, and, and, and frustration starts setting in, struggles start setting in, we'll talk about it in a minute, and Zerubbabel, the governor, even though God told him what to do, he had just backed up, and he had given up doing the will of God. And listen to me, this is what's going on right now in church. This is what's going on in the kingdom of God. Some people, God has told them what to do. God has shown them what to do. And they've stepped back from following and flowing in the will of God. And God says, I want you revived. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, let's get revival. Come on, be revived. Let's look at the scripture. Haggai chapter 1, verse 2 through 6. Haggai 1, 2 through 6. Haggai prophesies, here's a brother. Why is everyone saying, it is not the right time for rebuilding my temple, asked the Lord. Look at verse 3. His reply to them is this. Is it the right time for you to live in your luxurious house? <laughs> when the temple lies in ruin? He says, look at the result. 
You plant much, but you harvest little. You have scarcely enough to eat and drink. You're under some serious inflation. Hmm. And not enough clothes to keep you warm. Wow. So, so he says you're doing all this stuff and you're neglecting, you're neglecting my house. He goes on to say, I think we got one more verse, do we? One more verse? Is there no? Oh. I have one more verse, but maybe I didn't put it in there. He, he, says, he says, your income disappears, one translation says. It's like, it's like you, you know, uh, one translation says, it's like picking up sand and it just goes through your hands. It's, it's like it's got, you got money in your pocket, but you've got holes in your pocket, and all of a sudden there's just nothing there. He says, you thought you had something, but you don't have something. And so what we know that Haggai, the prophet, he, he is addressing three situations with the nation of Israel. Again, trying to swing the pendulum back to being revived. You guys have left God. Stuff's just not working. It's not working like it should work. Can I tell you this? Serving God isn't a perfect science, meaning it doesn't mean you have a perfect life, a perfect marriage, perfect money, perfect kids. That's not the point. The point is you know where to go when trouble hits. The, 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 the serving God isn't going to be a Band-Aid for your life. It's got to be your entire life. Come on, everybody. And so if, if, we're, if we're away from God, God just simply says, the door is open, come back to me. But there's three symptoms that were going on with these people, and I believe these are the same symptoms going on in the church world today in 2023. Here it is, number one. They became disinterested. They just became disinterested. When the, the, again, the time frame is crazy because when the nation of Israel got got. Uh, uh, taken into captivity out of Jerusalem, out of, out of Israel, and taken into Babylon, it was 70-year process, 70 years that they were away, and then they were going to come back. And, 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 and again, the, the, the temple was messed up, the temple was broken, the temple when they came back didn't look like it looked before, nothing looked like it. So it would be like you going back to the hometown that you grew up, up in, and everybody moved out of the hometown, maybe it was, you know, a certain, uh, it was an agricultural town, and, and agriculture dried up, or maybe it was in the northeast, and the steel mills dried up, and you went back, and all the homes and all the businesses are empty, that's what these brothers and sisters came back to. And, and, and when they came back from the 70-year exile, they then began rebuilding the temple. But what happened when they began rebuilding the temple, you read it, is all the neighboring cities, all the neighboring countries began opposing them building. They didn't want them building or rebuilding the temple. Listen to me. The world does not want the church rebuilding the structure and foundation of people who serve God. That is the world culture that we are in. I'm just telling you. So listen to me. The world isn't going to say, I'm so glad you're in church today, hearing the word of God. The world culture is going to yell at you and your kids and your teenagers and your, and your children in college, and they're going to yell at you saying, you're a fool to listen to that nonsense. And if you're not careful, you and I will become disinterested in the things of God. Here's what was going on. The culture around them affected God's word to them. The culture around them affected God's word to them. And this is a word that we are seeing now in colleges, in high schools, in campuses all over, and it is a, world, it is a word that people's faith is being deconstructed. There is a deconstruction 
of what was once constructed, the enemy and the words and the thoughts and the agenda of society is trying to deconstruct godly Christian values that are against marriage, against the home, against the authority of God, against the authenticity of the word of God. And if you're not careful, you will bite that apple, so to speak. Sin in a greater measure will grow in your heart and you will one day find yourself disinterested in the things of God. Am I talking to anybody? So what we found out is that the result of this, that they became disinterested, was that they became, they, they became disinterested in rebuilding the temple, but they became interested in building their own homes. Is it time for you? Is it time for you to not build the temple of God, but to be building your own homes? Listen to me. Man, this is what's happened right now since COVID since 2020. More and more families, more and more people just saying, I don't really need the church. I just need my family. Listen to me. Your family is extremely important, but your church family is extremely important. I don't believe it's either or. I believe it's both and. It's both and. But now what we see is, oh, it's, I don't need to come to church. I'm just going to hang out with my family. And, you know, God would want me to have a strong family, wouldn't he? Of course he would, but not at the expense of a weak spiritual life. Come on, everybody. Because you can have all, listen to me. I know families that don't serve God, and they love each other like nobody's business. But that family, without God, my Bible tells me, is not going to heaven where God lives. So listen to me. Let's put first things first. Can you say amen? amen? So what we know here is that the love of the world became stronger than the love of God. The love of the world just becomes stronger than the love of God. They became disinterested. The second thing that we see is that they face discouragement, these people. The Haggai's prophesying to, and we'll look at another scripture in a moment from the book of Zechariah. Uh, they just face discouragement. Uh, what happened is that you'll read it, is that not in Haggai, but the other Old Testament books, is that when the older people returned, the, these are people that were, that, that were very young, carried away into Babylon. When, when they came back, they, th these were the brothers and sisters who saw the glory of Solomon's temple that he built. Ornate. I mean, the thing was, was, was posh. It was beautiful. It was phenomenal. It would be like you and I going to a Ritz-Carlton hotel or whatever the greatest hotel is and, and looking at this hotel, looking at this beauty, or some of, the, some of you that have traveled overseas, we've not been to Europe, but the, the beautiful basilias and the, and the ornateness of, the, uh, of these different uh, Catholic cathedrals, and you look in that, and it's gorgeous, and the paintings and the decorative, I mean, I mean it's amazing, the art, and then, and then you go into a Motel 6. Nothing wrong with a Motel 6. I'm just saying. They're just different. Come on, everybody. The, the towels are different. <laughs> we were at a Motel 6 one time. Nothing against Motel 6, but we wanted to, I, I took a shower, and, and my, 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 my bath cloth was the size of a washcloth. And I was going, how am, how am I going to dry here? Anyway, anyway, I'm just telling you, they're different. And so these, the, the, these folks faced discouragement because they remembered what it looked like and they came and they went, 
this is nothing in comparison to what was. And they became discouraged. L listen to me. You can't embrace, you, you can't embrace the new thing God is doing if you're still hanging on to the old thing God did. What's this mean to us? I know a lot of people that in our prayers, we're praying, God, bring me back to February 2020. Before COVID hit, before crazy government, before all kinds of things politically, before inflation, before, bring me back. And if we're not careful, that thought, that prayer will seep into your subconscious and you will wind up being discouraged. And if that's where you're focused, you're never going to embrace the new thing that God wants to do in you and through you and with you. Help me out, everybody. Amen. So Haggai, God tells Haggai, the prophet, these two things. Check it out. One is for the immediate, and one is going to be for the long term. Two things he's going to tell them. Let's look at these two verses. Haggai chapter 2, verse 4. Check it out. He says, now Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel is the, is the governor. He's the, he's the political leader of, 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 of the, the, the city, the country right there. He says, be strong. God says to Tim, tell this brother, be strong, declares the Lord. And the chief priest, Joshua, he's the religious leader, the son of... Uh, Josedak, tell him be strong and then tell everybody in the land, tell all the folks in the land, y'all be strong, declares the Lord, and work because I am with you, declares the Lord of the armies. God says, listen to me, let, let me just tell you what's going on right now. If you're going to face discouragement, if you're going to get over it, listen, be strong. Quit being a little weenie, weak, weak person that says I love Jesus and, and, and you, just need, you just need to buck up and be strong. Just come on, hey, 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 come on, Zerubbabel, be strong. Come on, Joshua, you be strong. And while we're at it, all y'all be strong. And he says, work. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, work. Work, work. Be tenacious, get busy, start working again for the kingdom of God. Well, I don't know. Work for the kingdom of God. Come on, use your gift and talent and ability in the kingdom of God. Don't sit on the sidelines. That's the immediate. Then God tells him long term. Haggai 2, verse 9. Check out what he says. Haggai prophesies again. And he says, the glory of this present house, this present house, not Solomon's, the glory of this present house, even though it doesn't look like Solomon's, this glory will be greater. What? Than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord God Almighty. It's amazing. He says, I don't care what it looks like. Right now, in this in, in this temple that we're reconstructing, we've got limited money. It doesn't look like it looked. It's different than it looked. Come on, we're in a different, we're in a different year now. It's, it's, it's post-COVID. It's post-government, you know, government, whatever. It's post-all the riot. It's post-all this stuff that's gone on. He says, in this place right now, my spirit and my life and my word is going to fill you again. I'm going to take you from where you're at. I'm going to use you. I'm not done with you. Come on, church. Come on. He tells him, listen, he even says something crazy. He says, what God did then, God's going to do something greater now. Come on, everybody. I'm going to do something greater now. It's darker now than it was in 2020. That means the light can shine brighter now than in 2020. Man. Wow. So what you do for the kingdom of God matters. 
even though we're not going back, we can't rewind the clock, God's not interested in us doing it because he always brings us from glory to glory. He brings us from faith to faith. He brings us from strength to strength. So Haggai is telling these brothers, listen to me, by the Spirit of God, even though what the glory that as Solomon built that temple, you read it over in Chronicles, when, when, when they did the whole temple and they, they, were, they had the priests come in there, the Bible says the glory of the Lord filled that whole temple and the brothers couldn't even stand up. The presence of God was so thick like a cloud, it just brought everybody down to the ground. Now, now Haggai prophesies and says, that glory, what we, what we building right up in here, what we building right here, is going to be greater than that. Come on, everybody. Come on. It's going to be greater. So you might, I don't see it yet. Wow, that's tough to believe. Listen, here's what I'm encouraging you to, to, to hook your faith up with. Listen to me. What you build for God will be filled with God. What you build for God will be filled with God. Listen to me. You build a marriage for God. You put God at the center of your marriage. You put God at the head of your thought, your man, as, as man is the head of the wife, the scripture says, but the head of man is God. As you say, as you say, I'm going to serve this family. I'm going to love my wife. I'm going to love my children. You put God in your marriage. Listen to me. Your marriage is going to be filled with God. You, you put God and say, hey, listen, kids, I know we got dance and I know we got gymnastics and I know we got soccer and I know we got schoolwork and all, but we're getting ready to go up to church every Sunday. Come on, I feel like George, whatever. The, anyway, what was his name? Who's that little man? George Jefferson. Come on, remember George Jefferson? Come on, he was a little man. He kind of like, he like leaned into you. I felt, I felt that lean a minute. Sorry. Sorry, TV timeout, guys. I'm, I'm dating myself. Come on. Wow. Come on. What you build for God to be filled for God. Man, God, God I, I, I'm, I'm working for you in this job. Uh, I, I'm, I'm giving you my job. I, I'm giving you my job. Then my job is going to be filled with God. God fills what we give him. Man, these brothers were discouraged. These brothers were discouraged. These guys were disinterested. Third thing that we find at the Haggai actually tells them is that they grew dissatisfied. They grew dissatisfied. And listen to me. Here's why. The reason they grew dissatisfied is because it took longer building the temple, rebuilding the temple, than they thought. And they went, I, 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 thought, I thought we'd be further along. I, I, thought, I, I thought this thing would you know, pick up steam and, and, and get moving down the highway a whole lot faster than what's going on right now. But the, 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 the nations, the aliens around them were talking to them, talked them down. They became disinterested. They'd been talked out of the plan of God, the will of God. They had been discouraged. There was all kinds of government, uh, if you will, contracts against them to stop. You can read it in Nehemiah. The enemy hired people to lie to them, to get them to come down from building and rebuilding the wall in the book of Nehemiah. Ezra was there to, to, to uh, prophesy and to lead a generation back into the word of God. So, so it's interesting. They had the word of God that God was definitely a proponent of them hearing, but God also wanted them to work. Listen, it's not just the word and it's not just working. We've got to have the word and we got to get busy doing what God's called us to do. 
and we cannot become dissatisfied. It's like Jesus said, once you put your hand to the plow, you got to hang on to that plow and not look back and not go back because you got to move forward in the direction God's got for you. There's a field God has for you to plow. And so what we know is that when they came back, uh, here's, we, we, don't, we don't read this just like this in the book of Haggai, but when you do the back study of it and you see what the time frame is that Haggai was telling them, listen, 16 years of not working on the temple cannot immediately reverse three months of working on the temple. One more time. I know y'all been working on the temple for three months and you think shazam, shazam, pixie dust coming down like from Disneyland and this whole thing's getting built. But let me tell you what, God's telling me it's not happening that way. This thing is going to take some time. And just because you, you've been inactive for 16 years, it's not going to be shamazamazama. And all of a sudden, listen to me, you wake up one morning and your marriage has changed. You wake up one morning and your kids love you. You wake up one morning and you're not making, making $5,000 a month. You're making $50,000 a month. It generally doesn't happen that way. It happens day after day, come on, week after week. I'm sowing in the word, I'm believing God, I'm praying, I'm taking territory. I'm not going to become dissatisfied where I am right now. Can somebody help me out and say amen? amen. Let's be committed to be long-term Christians. Let's be committed to say, I I I'm in this thing, I I'm going to serve God, I I'm not going back, I I'm just not moving back. And Haggai tells him this, again, you don't see these words exactly like this, but he uses an, an, an analogy about clean and unclean uh, situations and people in, ch in chapter 2. And, and, and he says this, he says, uncleanness is infectious. Uh, uncleanness is infectious. Holiness is not. Listen, uncleanness is infectious. Holiness is not. You don't get holy because I'm holy. I don't get holy because you're holy, but listen to me, your sin can rub off on me. You don't get healed because I've got good lungs, I've got good breathing, and my blood is good. No, it's all internal. It's all what's going on, on the inside of you. And so Haggai tells these guys, sin spreads quick. Godliness just takes time. But God gave these guys an amazing promise, and he says this in Haggai 2.19, but from this time, from this day forward, I will bless you. He gives them a promise. He says, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what you're going through right now. Let me tell you, you turn toward me. You're directed toward me. You don't grow dissatisfied. You're not disinterested. Don't be disinterested. Don't be discouraged. Keep building the temple. Keep doing what I've called you to do. He says, from this day forward, I will bless you. Now, let me take it for just 30 seconds in a little bit different direction just before we get back to Zechariah. We're not building a temple anymore. We're not here constructing a physical building called the church that we call this physical building that we come to. We call it church. Everybody does. The Bible now says, you're the church. Here's, here's what the Bible says. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
So God, yeah, yeah, when we're here, even this morning, I sense the Spirit of God, as probably you do. The Spirit of God is with us as we're joined together. But can I tell you, you've now got the Spirit of God in your life. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So listen to me. You, as the temple of God, have to resist being disinterested in God's kingdom. You, as the temple of God, have to resist being discouraged, no matter what it looks like. You, as the temple of God, have to resist being dissatisfied because it's taken a little bit of time. And you have to just keep every day, like we talked about during prayer and fasting, every day having alone time with Jesus. And every day, you don't realize it, listen to me, but as you're drawing close, he's already there in that spot. And your life is being changed. Come on. And you are being, uh, your, your image is being changed on the inside. And you're becoming more and more like Jesus. Can somebody say amen, amen, amen? Yeah. Let's look at this book of Zechariah. Because they're, they're saying the same thing during this time frame. Both, both these brothers are prophesying during, during the same time frame. So, so God gives Zechariah a vision. And here's what it says in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. And, and, and this angel said to, said to Zechariah, what, what do you see? And so he said, I'm looking and I see a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl. And on top of it, uh, so a lamp stands, solid gold, with a bowl on top of it. And, and he says, and, and, and I see on the stand there's seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Check it out. Uh, there, there's two olive trees are by it. So, so, so uh, 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 come on, a lamp stand. And he said, the bowl on top of it, and, and there's two olive trees on, on each side, and, and they're, they're each on the bowl, uh, other side of the bowl, one on one side, one on the left, and, and, and he's, he's seeing this vision. He, he's seeing this vision, and, and, and he's asking the question, like, what, what does this mean? What does this mean? God's going to give him the, God gives him the revelation of what it means. But what I, want, what I want to bring to us today is that we see from the book of Revelation, and we see this here, is that God sees the church. God sees you. God sees his people as gold and pure. And if you don't see yourself that way, it's going to greatly affect the way that you will then carry on the business of God's kingdom in your life and in the world. Your work will be hindered unless you see how you are in his eyes. There'll be shame, there'll be guilt, there'll be condemnation. You'll think of yourself with an inferiority complex when that's not how God sees you. The, the lampstand, listen, the lampstand is you. And you and I, as a lampstand, are designed, listen to me, we're designed to shine our light in the world. We're not, to be, we're not to be cocky. We're not to be argumentative. We're not to be, you know, try to throw something in somebody's face. But we definitely are to be light and we're to be salt. Jesus told us that. Now, now what we know from this Old Testament example, of course, remember, we're going back thousands of years, different than now. When we come in a room and it's dark, we flip on a switch. Light shows up. If you're there, you've got to get oil. You've got to go to where the lamp is. You've got to make sure that there's oil in the lamp and, and there's a wick and you light it so that oil and that wick starts burning brighter and brighter and brings illumination to wherever it needs to go. That's what's going on here in the temple, and that was what was going on in every single house. So, so listen to me. We, we know that the lamp can only shine if it's got oil. Oil in the Old Testament, even what we did this morning, anoint people with oil in the name of the Lord. 
Oil, there is no healing in oil. Oil is just simply a type of the Holy Spirit and a point of contact. When oil is put on my head or on my hand or whatever, I am going to release my faith and I'm going to say, thank you for healing in my body. Come on, everybody. Amen. Here, the lamp was gold. The lamp is you. There's a bowl on top of the lamp that is receiving oil from these two pipes or these pipes that would come down to it so that it could keep burning constantly. But listen to me. The lamp can't shine. Can't shine unless it's got oil. Listen, the oil you need doesn't come from yourself. I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care what, how you know to navigate your family right now or, or the culture that you or I are in, regardless if you're young or old, whatever it is. Listen to me. The oil you need doesn't come from yourself. What we know from Scripture is that the only way we are ever going to fulfill the will of God is to be filled with the Spirit of God. Listen to me. So I'll just say this, is that you will only be revived. You're only going to be revived to the degree that you are connected to and filled again and again with the Holy Spirit. You're only going to be revived. The, the minute you say, I, I, I don't want any more oil, I, I'm done with the oil, I don't need any more, I, I, I'm okay, or, or I, I used to do that. I, I used to serve God, and, and, and I got enough oil. Read Matthew chapter 25, I believe it is, that there were ten, five foolish virgins and five, five, five virgins who were, not, who were wise virgins. And, and when, when, when the groom came and, and said it's time, and they said it's time to go see the groom, and five of them, they didn't have any oil. The oil ran out. The oil ran out. How do I keep my oil full every day? I spend time with God. Every day, I'm opening up my heart to the Word of God, the will of God. Revive me, oh God. I feel dry. I feel, I feel weary. I feel, I don't know what to do in my marriage. I don't know what to do with these kids. Re Father, revive me. And he's saying, come to me. Come to me. Because when you come to me, I'm going to pour oil on your life. I'm going I'm, I'm to keep the fire burning in your life. I'm not going to allow the fire to go out. The fire will only go out, listen to me, if there's no oil. I wish God had used me like he used to pre-COVID. I, I, I wish I could. I'm going to come every day and I'm going to say, here I am again in need of oil. Because if I'm in need of oil, if, I'm need, if, 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 I'm, if I've got enough oil, if I've got enough oil, you said that I could stir up the gift of God in me that would be like fire. And that gift of God, the will of God, the plan of God, the direction of God, the wisdom of God will start burning and the oil will keep that fire going. Come on, everybody. When we were in Canada, we had a wood stove. Some of y'all don't even know what that is. <laughs> uh, not, not that you cook on, but it was a, a, I don't know what the material was. It was, what is it, Jim? Iron, iron stove, I guess, yeah. You know, we had, it, we had a fireplace upstairs and downstairs, but in the basement, we had a wood stove. And so 
Every year, I'd go out in the woods with the brothers in the church, and we would cut down logs, man, eight-foot logs. We'd get this one type of wood was called tamarack because it burned so hot and so long. And we would cut these eight-foot sections, and we'd take them back to my house and chainsaw, and then you'd buck them up, and then you'd stack them. And then, man, downstairs in the basement, we would start that fire and start at night, heat the whole basement, and heat up that next floor up the, the main living area. It was amazing. I'd get up in the morning, and I'd come down, and all that wood was just, there was hardly anything. It was just all, all, almost all, all ash, except maybe just a little piece of wood. And I'd get my little stoker, and I'd stoke it. And all of a sudden, you could see it embering and burning again. And I'd put a piece of wood in there, and it wouldn't be long till it was fired up again. You might find yourself this morning, and you go, my God, if, I, if you only knew, Pastor, if you only knew, here's what I do know. If you'd allow God to come in, and hopefully my words are agitating you enough and allowing enough faith to come into your heart for the Holy Spirit just to touch you and stir you again. There will be oil from heaven come in your life and take you from where you're at right now and bring you into some new territory. Can you say amen? Yeah. Zechariah prophesies this to Zerubbabel and he actually says this, ending this thought this morning. He says, he says, Zerubbabel, his hands laid the foundation of the temple and his hands will also finish it. Then you'll know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. He tells him this, Zechariah. Listen, Zechariah. It might not look like what you think right now, but, but what Zerubbabel started, Zerubbabel, the governor, is going to finish. And listen to me. I prophesy over your life. He that began a good work in you, he will perform it until the very day of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. He's not done with you. He's not through with you. Your life isn't over. Your life isn't done. Your life isn't useless or pointless. If you will make up your mind, listen to me, on this Sunday right here on February 5th, if you'll make up your mind, I refuse to become disinterested. I refuse to become discouraged. I refuse to become dissatisfied, even though it's been a while. Listen to me. God is going to build and rebuild your life again, and he is going to give you fresh oil from heaven, and your life is going to change. Come on, somebody say amen. And listen to me, just so you know, listen, just so you know, what we're saying is not, not more self-effort, not more work. Scripture says, uh, how's it? we read a couple weeks ago, what he tells them in Zechariah 4, how's this going to happen? It's going to happen as that mountain you see, he tells them, you shout grace to it. You shout grace to it. You call on the operations of the power of God. This isn't by you networking. This isn't by you just being great and getting that extra degree. I'm all for that. But the only way that you're going to see God working in your life is not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Lord, I'm coming again today, and I'm just telling you, I've been serving you for almost 43 years, but I'm coming to you today. I need fresh oil. I need fresh oil. Come on, all over the room, stand up. Would you do that, everybody? All over the room. 
Come on, you can hope again. You can believe again. You can trust again. Forget the past. Come on, forget the past. Reach forward to what's before. Press to the mark today. Come on, all over the room. Come on, if that's you, you're just simply saying, I need some fresh oil. Come on, lift up your hands all over the room. All over the room. If that's you, come on, lift up your hands all over the room. Father, we pray every hand raised, every person raised. Father, we pray, Zechariah, that oil of anointing, the Holy Spirit, I pray, would come on every one of us in a new and a special way. Oh God, we need you. Father, we want you. You're building our life, the temple. You're building us by grace and grace alone, not by our own work. So Father, we're saying we're hungry. Come on, we're desire. We're desirous of a fresh touch from you. Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Fall fresh on us this morning. We're not going to despise the day of small beginnings. We're not going to look, just, just stay focused on what it looks like. We're going to trust you, oh God, that you're building. And we're going to be confident that what you're doing in us is going to be for your glory. Lord God, we're not going back. We're not looking back. We, we know what the temple used to look like. We, we know what you did then. But we're, Father, we're saying, do something new today in our generation. Use us. Come on, church. Use us. Use us to this lost and this dying world. Father God, every grace, every talent, and every ability we have, we lay at your feet. Lord God, Lord of hosts, we are not going to despise a day of small beginnings. The anointing we need doesn't come from ourselves. The anointing oil we need comes from you from you oh Lord there's never been a time like this before we need you in our marriages college students working young adults we, we need you in our lives the onslaught is great the lies of the enemy are strong but your word is stronger you've caused us to be born in this time for such a time as this maybe we feel like we've been captive and carried away by the enemy like they did in Babylon for 70 years but we come back our hearts turn back to you Father God fill us again and again with your spirit come on all over the room God's people said amen come on come on all over the room amen come on amen amen come on say it with me revive us come on revive us Revive us. Wow. 150,000 hired men before. 3,000 foremen before. Now we've got a third that came back. We don't know exactly how many worked. A third total population returns. Listen to me. Every church is smaller than it was in before COVID. Businesses have been affected. Families have been affected. School systems have been affected. Kids in school have been affected. Oh God, we need fresh oil. The glory 
Come on. The former house, this glory is going to be greater than what it looked like then. Because God's the God who does things beyond what man can do. So listen to me. If your business has been affected, lift up your eyes. Lord, I need some new oil. Give me some new wisdom. Give me some new favor. If your marriage has been affected, if your kids have been affected mentally, scholastically, Lord, in my family, I'm giving you room to move in my family. I'm presenting my family to you, Lord God, so that you, as I build my family, I'm asking you to fill my family with your spirit, no matter what it looks like, because you're not done. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on. God's going to do something amazing in your life, this generation, the kingdom of God, and Spectrum Church in these years and the years ahead. Everybody agree with that? Say amen and amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah, praise the Lord. Come on, just touch your neighbor on the shoulder. Come on, touch them on the shoulder all over the room. Lord God, we pray the Spirit of God's been with us all day. Use us all this week. Let us be a blessing to the people around us.